0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Exciting guest today as women's basketball head coach Robin Fralick joins the show for segments two and three. But first, hey, a trio of Spartans are on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. And what? Jaron Jackson Jr. actually wanted to come back for a sophomore year? All right, let's go. You are locked on Spartans, your
1: daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter promo code Locked on College, that's all one word, Locked on College, hey, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. It's my favorite piece of drinkware, really, and the shorts are amazing. But enough of that for now. Hey, gang, thank you so much for tuning into Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white. Three. Days a week. I'm only going to mention that one or two more times to kick off shows. But yes, typically ten months out of the year, five days a week, but just for two months in June and July, three days a week. We'll drop it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But if anything breaking, you know, drops like uh, anything that's on the level of like the live and the PGA Tour combining, yeah, we're not going to sit on that. We'll just add a fourth show to the week. But yes, you could always count on us for at least three shows here during June and July, and then when August comes around. Yeah, the, the cinder block is back on the gas pedal. We are going 0-100 five days a week. Alright, just like we said, head coach Robin Fralick here in a hot second, but first we're just going to tie up some news and notes in the Michigan football and basketball realm here. And first and foremost, hey, a trio of Spartans found their way on the ballot for the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame class. Now... There are 78 players and 9 coaches from the FBS and then an additional 101 players and 32 coaches coming from the lower divisional ranks as well. But these are all going to be names that you know when it comes to Michigan State. We got Mark D'Antonio. I can go up and down about his resume, but we only have so much time in this show, and odds are you guys already know everything there is to be known about the great Mark Dantonio. We also got Daryl Rogers here as well. Uh, he as a coach found success at Fresno State, San Diego State, or sorry, San Jose State, Michigan State, and Arizona State as well. His best season at the helm for Michigan State was 1978, first place in the Big Ten that year in 8-3 overall, but did really good work at all four of those schools I just named. And then Flo Zell Adams, the only former player for Michigan State on this year's ballot, 1997 Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and it did not stop there for Mr. Adams. He went on to be a five-time Pro Bowler. There we go. So, yeah, just a little bit of fun there, but there is a more specific Michigan State tie-in. And unless I'm missing something, maybe something's completely glaring when it comes to the Ring of Honor in Spartan Stadium, but I'm almost positive that it's an unspoken rule that you have to be in the College Football Hall of Fame to have your name in the Ring of Honor. I believe everyone up there is in the College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, there was a reason why Lorenzo White, for as amazing of a player he was, arguably the best player at Michigan State University, Had to wait until 2019 to get his name on the Ring of Honor. He was not enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame until 2019. And then, well, when that September rolled around, the football season, that is when he saw his name go up there. So... This means something for Flozell Adams. Uh, this could mean something for you know, Mark D'Antonio, should he have his name in the ring of honor. But let's spin it to a common conversation topic here when it comes to Mark D'Antonio, what he's meant to this program, and also some other coaches as well. We, we can throw um, excuse Daryl Rogers in the mix as well, but also Biggie Munn, Duffy Doherty, the statue talk. You know, there, there are not a lot of statues on the campus of Michigan State. You got your Sparty statue, you got your uh, John C. Hannah statue, I believe it is outside the administration building. Your Magic Johnson statue. I, I think that's it. There are no statues outside the football building that commemorates a coach or a player. Would love to see that change. We've talked about this a few times in months or years past on this show. God, we've been doing this for a while, but let's rehash this right now. I think that if they do get enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach. I think you got to erect that statue outside of Spartan Stadium. And I don't think it should just be Mark D'Antonio. I mean, God, Biggie Munn, what, he only won two national championships? I mean, yeah, that should absolutely get you a statue outside of Spartan Stadium. Or Duffy Daugherty, four-time national champ. He helped segregate the game. You know the history there. So, yes, I think a trio of those three wouldn't wouldn't hurt. Who's going to argue against that? Heck, make it four if you want to throw Daryl Rogers up there. Uh, Didn't have a national title, but... You know, solid coach. But yes, if it was up to me, I would have Munn, Doherty, and then D'Antonio up there. And then I've also mentioned this in a podcast before, but that Mark D'Antonio statue, wherever you put it, it would make more sense in the south end of the stadium because I think that he should be facing Indianapolis. I think that is where, when they put the statue up, that's where his body should face because, well, that's where he made some of his greatest memories there. Beating Ohio State in 2013 and then the Iowa game in 2015, of course. Or, hey... If you love the Rose Bowl more than those two combined, just face him towards Pasadena. I think that would be a nice mark. Or just have his back facing Ann Arbor. Or, no, forget that, no, have him just facing squarely Ann Arbor. you got a lot of good choices there. I mean, the guy only went 8-5 and five against them. So, there you have it. Uh, just wanted to wrap all that up before getting into some Jaron Jackson Jr. talk. That's right, how about that on a nice June weekday here. But, hey, he went on Paul George's podcast called Podcast P., And made a lot of waves, you know, spoke about Ja Morant, all that good stuff. But us Spartan fans are really honed in on this soundbite from Jaron Jackson. He said that during the draft process, he didn't read the draft boards. All right, you know what? Believe him if you want to, don't believe him if you do, but this story kind of makes me believe that he truly did not read any of the draft boards because he said, quote, I was going to come back to school and I was signing up for classes, and then who calls Jaron Jackson Jr.? It's Draymond Green. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr. did say that his only relationship with Draymond Green would just be playing pickup basketball with him whenever he came back to state, but didn't truly know the guy. But Draymond Green, on Izzo's wishes... This is the important part. On Tom Izzo's wishes, Draymond Green called Jaron Jackson Jr. and said, What are you doing? What, what on earth are you doing thinking of coming back to Michigan State? So, look, a lot of estate fans know this, but you got all the naysayers around the program that are, quite frankly, just jealous of the great thing that Izzo has going on here the last two and a half decades and say, oh, he forces his kids back to school. He holds them back. Well, th- tell me how reaching out to Draymond Green to let Jaron Jackson know he's an idiot because might resonate a little differently hearing from a multi-time NBA champ still in the league than it would be your head coach. But yes, there is a reason that, and this goes beyond Jaron Jackson, that he pushes kids to go to the NBA draft even just to get looked at. It's long believed that A.J. Hogarth didn't even want to go through the process, but still kind of pushed him there anyway just to see... What he would hear. So we already know this, but Jaron Jackson says, quote, if you go to that school, it's an automatic family. I mean, this is just evidence number 9863 here of what makes Michigan State's basketball program unique and family oriented. And well, it's a good thing Draymond Green gave him that call because hey, as much fun as it would have been in that following season, for Jaron Jackson specifically. Okay, Top four pick that year. Signed a $104 million guaranteed contract after his $30 million entry, entry contract. And when that $104 million guaranteed contract is up, guys, he's going to be like 26 or 27. It, should he stay healthy and continue playing at the level that he is... He's going to be astronomically wealthy in the game of basketball and got a one-year head start on all that. Thanks to Draymond Green, who, you know, thanks to Tom Izzo, gave him that call. So really thought that was interesting. But also, hey, let's not kid ourselves here. That This makes the what-if game a little interesting. What would have happened that 2018-19 season? Of course, the Final Four season. Uh, Cassius, starting point guard you got Matt McQuaid, uh, you have Langford slash Aaron Henry, Langford went down with that injury of course, and then Xavier Tillman at the 4, and Jaron Jackson at the 5, but that means Goins is coming off the bench, Nick Ward's definitely coming off the bench, or does Tillman slide to a bench roll? I highly doubt that, it, it would have been a good problem for Tom Izzo to have of how he was going to balance that lineup, but yeah, that is a tough, tough one to look at Unless you want to do what I do and just look at 2019 anyway. And just say, well, yeah, they still won the regular season Big Ten title. They still won the Big Ten tournament title against Michigan. And, oh, yeah, that's right. They still went to a Final Four after winning one of the most historic Elite Eight games of all time. Guys, I know that Jaron Jackson maybe would have really elevated Michigan State. But if that is your consolation prize, Big Ten title, Big Ten tournament title, and a Final Four banner... I'm not going to lose too much sleep over that. I'm I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to take that consolation prize and call it a day. All right, let's get to women's basketball coach Robin Fralick here in a hot second. But first, gang, need to talk your ears off about Bird Dog Shorts. We've already talked about this wonderful Yeti-style tumbler, which we will get to. But it's time to talk about the actual product because this is a summer I am now thriving in thanks to Bird Dogs. These are the best shorts I've ever put on these thighs in my entire life. Just on the inside, you know, I got the pairs with the liner in them. It's like a compression short that you're just wearing all around, but they also look great. They are versatile. You can go to the grocery store. You can then do your yard work, then get a workout in, then go to happy hour, and then go to your kid's soccer practice, all in the same pair of shorts. They feel great. They look great. These bad boys are versatile. And when you go on their website, that's right, birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege. Don't keep it to just the shorts. They got some pants for you as well. So go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege and enter promo code college. Again, that's all one word, LockedOnCollege, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Gang, that's birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your birddogs off. We promise you. Folks, I can't believe it. I mean, we did it again. We got a big guest, a guest that has been in plenty of headlines the last two months, ever since she was named the sixth head coach of MSU Women's Basketball. Look at this. It's Coach Robin Freylook. Coach, how on earth are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining.
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Oh, of course. Um, So look, you have the big task at hand of revamping MSU Women's Basketball. No question about that. But before that... Probably the most pressure-filled event that I could possibly imagine is taking place for you this Sunday at Comerica Park. <laughs> you are throwing the first pitch oh, yeah. on Sunday in front of thousands of fans. How are we feeling right now for that? Let, let's just get the important stuff out of the way. How are we feeling for the first pitch right now?
1: Well, I have done it a few times before, but never at a stadium or at a, you know the, the level of, of play, the Detroit Tigers. But I will say I have thought a lot about I just think it's hilarious that it's honorary, you know, like <laughs> we put people on a mound and, you know, just sort of judge them and try to evaluate well, yeah. like how good they are. It, it, it's hilarious to me. I mean, I could just go out there and wave my hands and smile and it'd probably be all the same. But instead, it's it puts a little extra pressure, a little extra uh you know i've been practicing i have a, a my son's going to be 10 in a few weeks and he loves baseball so he we've been bouncing back and forth they haven't moved here yet they'll be moving here hopefully okay. in the next month or so and um last night actually he's like mom we got to go practice like he is as if not more concerned for me than i probably am for myself <laughs> so he's been counting out the steps he's been really trying to help me oh, help me get prepared for the moment
0: has a little part of you thought, like, hey, if I have, like, a horrible pitch, it goes viral? Because no one ever is remembered for the, the good pitches. If you throw it, like, on the backstop, like, is yeah. any press good? Press for Michigan State women's basketball? Has that entered your mind at all? Or, or I'd be trying try to,
1: to avoid that press. Okay. But, you know, do our best and see what happens.
0: Yeah. If, if it goes awry, that's our plan B. We'll, we'll help spin <laughs> it in a positive light for you guys. But, no, I, on to the actual important things. Uh, just in, incredible to have you as part of the, the just MSU Athletics culture now. You come from a culture of winning, of course. Did amazing work at Bowling Green State. Did amazing, just incredible work in Ashland. I mean, God, what, only three losses in your tenure there? I mean, so, first of all, welcome to Michigan Thanks. State. Or welcome back, I guess, because you're from Okemos. You did play at Davidson, but... This has to feel like a bona fide homecoming for you, right?
1: It does. Uh, you know, I went to Okemos High School, born and raised here, loved yep. it. Had a, It's a wonderful place to grow up. I went and played at Davidson College. And then since Davidson, I've lived away. I've lived in a lot of different places, um, getting a chance to coach. You know, in the coaching world, a lot of times you can end up all over. And so I've been yeah. fortunate. I've always been able to come back as a visitor since I graduated from high school, but now it, it's really cool with a family, my own family to be able to come back as a resident.
0: And your family, they kind of grow up like your two young kids. They grew up state fans so far since you've been bouncing around. Not, not so much. What's that been like?
1: Die hard, die hard. Okay. Fans. There we go. <laughs> yeah, My husband's a die hard state fan. Um, my son is, I mean, he is all in. He, like I shared, he's going to be 10 in a few weeks. He's really into statistics and numbers. So During season, he's always on the ESPN app looking at the percentage chance, you know, for Michigan State to win. And he loves when it changes. Like, Mom, why did it go up 6% from yesterday? (laughs) So, yeah, they're they're really excited to be here as well.
0: Who was the most excited? Was it you, the one that actually got this position? Or (laughs) was it one of the the kids or your husband? Who who was most excited in the Fralick household?
1: I think collectively, we were all really excited. You know, but I always share – there is a emotional continuum when you, when you take a new job because we, we loved Bowling Green. I mean, we really, you know, we poured our heart and soul into that program. Um, We are very invested in the community. Um, But I always think when you do it right, that's how it should feel. Same thing. When we left Ashland to go to Bowling Green, I mean, I bawled my eyes out. Um, (laughs) You know, when you do it right, you should have a really sticky connection to the place that you are. Um, So very bittersweet. It's been hard to say goodbye, um, but I also know when we all get here and get settled in, we're, we're going to be really excited.
0: And I'm just curious what that first week is like after you're announced as <laughs> head coach of Michigan State, because obviously I'm sure your phone is like melting with like texts and phone calls, whatever, but like there's a job to do. So like, what is that first week? Yeah. Like, do you get minutes of sleep? Do you get hours of sleep? Like what, just walk us through that whole whirlwind for you.
1: Well, it, it it's wild. So we, play, at, at David at Bowling Green, we played 38 38- Games this past season. 38 yeah. games is a lot of games. So we were playing, you know, we played in the WNIT Final Four, which is at really around the same time as the Final Four of the NCAA tournament. So that's really late and deep to be playing. So we had mm-hmm. a really long, fun season. So after a season that long, there's just a, a part of like recovering because there's just so much that goes in emotionally that goes into a season. But you know, that kind of got pivoted, you know, with the new job. So taking the new job, I think, you know, immediately you're just right into, okay, talking to the current team, figuring out the roster, who's going to be here, who isn't, who do we need? So that's a really quick turnaround because honestly, most of the coaches and teams had been done playing for a month, you know, so we had played really a month longer than most teams. So it, it was a, it was a quick turnaround, um, but exciting and you know, when we we got here, we just it's kind of like, all right, we my staff had all worked together at Bowling Green for the past five years. So we have all come in together to a new place. So you just know the amount of work it, it takes and, and you got to get on it.
0: And of course, when you go from Bowling Green to Michigan State, were there any names in the Michigan State Athletic Department that really helped like onboard you or really just made you feel at home right off the bat in, in, in that first week?
1: Well, our administration here has been great. You know, there's, there's so many people that want to help, are willing to help, want to be a support, want to be able to answer questions. So I I felt like we were very supportive, supported across the board administratively. You know, you think of media relations, um, Megs, who's been the administrative assistant. She's been here since through all the, through coach mccauley and she was with coach merchant as well so she was really helpful in just kind of understanding the context and the groundwork here and then you know recently i got a chance to really chat with coach Izzo, who's you know he is msu he knows oh, yeah. the most right he he's been here and had so much success so i uh, got to talk with coach johnson it's a really supportive uh, group of people so that that has definitely helped with the transition
0: And just looking at the the job ahead, because right at the top I said in charge of the Michigan State revamp. I don't want to use rebuild because it's not like it's in dire straits. Like, how how do you just look at the task at hand, hand here? What what word would you put on on this task?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Coach Merchant was here 16 years and did yeah an excellent job, um, mm-hmm. really, with the team, the program, the community. Um, she did so much for Michigan State women's basketball. Um, so, but but coming in the transition these days always looks different because there's the portal. You know, there's NIL, there's all these different moving parts. Like when I took over at Bowling Green, there wasn't the portal. So the team you, when you walk in is the team that's there. It's, It's very different than now. So, you know, there's just, there's some transitional things I think with, you know, there's kids who were in the portal before they even announced a new head coach. So the roster management, um, that just looks different, especially with a new coach coming in. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the biggest piece is, you know, wherever I've been, I've been, we've been really consistent with what we're about culturally um, and how we play. And those things just, they never happen in a day, but they happen every day. Um, yep. So, you know, I think we just have an everyday mentality of, okay, this is who we are and this is what we're going to work on. And this is what we're going to be every day and then over time you know you can see you can see how that begins to evolve
0: and as we're at like the the halfway point of this chat let's just do the halftime show of the most awkward question possible because it's it's awkward talking about yourself but hey this is the fun we like to have here in lockdown spartans why do you think michigan state hired you what what part about you <laughs> and you as a coach What's the reason they brought you home to East Lansing? If you like that question, I mean, we we, we could do this all day. I got awkward ones. Yeah, all, all up and down. Well, I feel
1: grateful that they did. Yeah. I mean, I know there's yeah. there's lots of qualified candidates and there's a lot of great coaches out there. Um, you know, I think there's probably a combination of, um, you know, Bowling Green. We, I, I've had two experiences. One where I was an associate head coach and moved over, slid over a spot, and we were able to have a lot of success. And then at Bowling Green, we came into a program that had a great tradition, but had recently really struggled. I mean, Mm -hmm. really struggled. Um, And so that's a different task, right? I went from sliding over a seat to, okay, we're coming into a program that has a great tradition, but right now really needs a lot of work um, to kind of get back to where we think we can get. So I think those experiences help. Um, I think my My experience in this region, you know, I've been recruiting the Midwest my whole time coaching. That's that's kind of been where we've been tracked. We've recruited strong, strong in this region. And we feel like, you know, Michigan State, that's something we want to be able to continue to do at a high level. Um, And I think I don't know. I don't know if being from here is a factor or not. But for me, it's cool. You know, it's I know it's a great place to raise a family. Uh, So. I don't know why, you know, but I I do know that I'm really grateful. And um, I do know there's a lot of plenty, very good coaches. um, But I think I've had two different experiences as a head coach. And this will be a third one. So it'll be another new challenge.
0: And you mentioned in your introductory press conference that, you know, of course, you went to Michigan State games as you're growing up. Has it really hit you that, like, while you are now commanding the program that you used to watch? (laughs) as a kid, or is that even still taking time to like truly settle in? Because I, I can only imagine like just the gravity of that situation, but has that really uh, hit you yet?
1: I think it'll sink in that first, the first home game. Okay. Where you kind of look around and, and savor that moment. Interestingly, my very first game as a head coach at Bowling Green, we played at Michigan state. So the very first game I coached as a head coach at uh, Bowling Green was at Michigan state, which you know, everyone's like, is it so cool you're coming home? I'm like, ah, you know, we <laughs> needed to get a lot better. So I don't know if it was.
0: <laughs> gotcha.
1: Yeah. But um, it, it has, I feel like every day. And I think once my family gets all settled here too, it'll feel even more real.
0: Yeah. No question. Um, during that first game, by the way, do you want any of us, any of us listeners, viewers to walk you down a melting moments ice cream sandwich during the game? <laughs> Would that be appreciated or is that a half-time distraction?
1: Halftime snack. Yeah. I mean, I remember that was like my favorite part of going to games. I mean, and what, does anyone else in the world world sell anything like that at a game? I mean, it feels so signature to me.
0: It is. It, if they do, it's like a knockoff version. Like it's just not the same here. It's it, not it has to be homemade whole, cookies. Moments, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah, so good. So, so good. all right, we'll we'll, tr- we'll try to hook you up then. Um, at halftime, we'll either throw one down or hopefully hand you one. I'm sure security will have no issue with that whatsoever. <laughs> um, as you get closer to the season here, I mean, and got you're already two months in, so maybe some of this has already happened, but. What is the number one task for a head coach when you do step into a head coaching role? Is it like, all right, let's flip the culture. Let's just install offensive and defensive principles. Is it getting to know the players? Like, what is on top of that very long list of duties for a new head coach?
1: People. It's people. You know, it's um, hiring a staff. It's um, really getting to know the team. It's recruiting. Um, It's just, it's all people. I think that's the biggest thing when you take over new and then I actually think that continues to be the biggest thing is just making sure there's like real connection um, amongst our staff, amongst our team, like there's no fast way to really, really get to know each other, but there can be an intentionality in that every day. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the recruiting piece is people too. So um, that's where we put our energy.
0: And I got a potentially stupid question, but hey, you know what? I like to do this during interviews as well. You talked about the administration and how they've just been very supportive. Everyone around you supportive, supportive of the women's game. Is it common in the industry, whether it's just like chatter you have amongst other coaches for like, maybe some coaches don't feel like their administration or select department take women's basketball as seriously as all the other sports? Is that is that like a quote-unquote, I guess, problem in that whole atmosphere? Or is it kind of not really an issue?
1: So everywhere I've coached, there's been great support for women's basketball. Okay. You know, I was the head coach at Ashland, and our gyms were packed. Uh, Gotcha. At Bowling Green, you know, the last two home games uh, were sold out. So – There we go. You know, I I, I just feel like – in Michigan State, you know, there's been great support for women's basketball. And, you know, Susie was here before, and I know she did a lot to build that and really got into the community and had great teams. Um, But that's something that's always mattered a lot to me, Because I think a student athlete experience, a big part of it is how much people care, right? When you play somewhere where there's a real emotional attachment and a real enthusiasm for supporting the team, I I just think your experience changes. So that'll be something that continues to be important for us.
0: That's what I love too about, you know, the press conferences that you did, you know, when you're being introduced, it's just how much community you talked about. It's not just university, but everywhere around. Like, let's get the future Robin Fralix in the stands sure. as well. So, um, yeah, definitely. Hopefully the community will energize you, I'm sure, because women's basketball, in my opinion, it is as popular nationwide as it ever it's, has been. It, is is it, that crazy been. or is that true? Is it true that it is? Okay. It is.
1: It's as good as it's ever been, you know, and part yeah. of it is okay. there's just been more opportunities for women. Part of it is there's been more um, eyes on it. We've had, we've had way more publicity around it. We've had way more opportunities to be seen. So, um, you know, I'm, we're definitely on the track to keep that going because, um, these women have deserved this. They deserve these opportunities they're getting.
0: I watched more of the women's tournament than I ever have my entire life. And it was a lot of of course, it was amazing. And just the electricity, all, all the the, the storylines around it, too, was uh, amazing. And then, well, you get hired as coach and we see your resume. It's like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Michigan State's about to be in the fold here as well. So i uh, really just thrilled to have you here, Coach. But before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your week and get more practice in for this first pitch. Who's going to win the NBA finals here? Um, just just hit us.
1: You know, interesting. So, I was feeling very pro-Denver. Both teams are really good. I think Denver – I mean, the Joker is so – such a unique player, such a hard matchup, you know. And then Miami, I think, surprised all of us last night. And they've done that the whole – the whole playoff. So, at some point, we should probably no longer be surprised. (laughs) Right. Um, I have a real soft spot for Miami because I just think they – I love that they're a team at the highest level that is, that is winning games through playing team basketball, embracing roles, underdogs, chip on their shoulder, whatever it takes. They, they literally are like whatever it takes to win team. And when you can get a team at the highest level, these guys are the pros. To play like that, to act like that, to think like that, that's really special. Now, I share all of that. I do think Denver's going to win the series. Uh, but I have a real soft spot for Miami because um, I, I just love watching teams that operate at the highest level of being a team.
0: Yeah, no, they've been incredible. And so, all right, so I'll, I'll bet on the Nuggets because I've lost a lot betting against the Heat for that very reason. I keep on doubting them, stupidly enough, as they're already in the finals. But, okay, I'll, I'll take your advice here. Uh, that, that, that's how we're going to get all those winnings back here. But, Coach, uh, thank you so much for your time. This has been an awesome chat. Best of luck this week. And Is there anything else that, that you want to add before we let you go enjoy the rest of your week here?
1: Oh, all good. I just think go green.
0: Hey, go white. There we go. Absolutely love it. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Coach. Really do appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. And gang, we will be back on Friday. We're going to do a quick primer of official visit season number two for the football team. And then Carter Elliott of Spartans Illustrated and Sleepers Media, he's going to join the show as well. Talk all things Michigan State basketball and also the five things each of us are looking forward to for the upcoming season. And any other news that breaks between now and then, you know where to find us. Keep it tuned. Lock on Spartans. Love you all. Go Green.
1: Hey, Prime Members.